um, 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 I'm Megalie Christensen. And this is Left Unsaid, the podcast where we talk about things that just don't come up. Where we explore the space that falls between topics that are discussed regularly and secrets. And have the conversations that maybe you just never thought to have. This is the space of 3 a.m. chats. Of life when no one is watching. And of thoughts left unsaid. And of thoughts left unsaid. this is an entire show based on things left unsaid, I thought it would be fitting for episode one to start by talking about awkward silences. Now, not to brag, but I consider myself something of an expert on the topic. I probably have minimum 800 awkward silences each day. I can confirm that. At least 900 per day. In fact, the origin story of Magali and my friendship is an awkward silence. Do you remember that day, Mag? A little bit? I I wish I could forget it, to be honest. So what had happened was I was in the metro station with my ex... Well, she was my girlfriend then. I was in the metro station with my girlfriend's Yen when from about 50 feet away we see Magali, who Yen had mentioned before as one of her friends, but I had never met her. So Yen introduces us, and then she promptly abandons us to take the metro together in the same direction. Um, um, um. Yen. Yes. What in the hell were you thinking? I was kind of like, oh, Eliza hasn't really met a lot of my friends yet, and this would kind of be like a nice time to get to know them in a kind of trapped in a metro car kind of way. I, I saw it as more of like a casual, hey, we just ran into Maggie on the street. Hey, what do you know? We're going in the same direction. Like, Lucky you know. us, except yeah. you weren't going in that direction. Okay, I wasn't going in that direction. But I figured well, you guys were taking the metro. Yes. And otherwise, you would have just, like, sat by yourselves, maybe, like, pondered life, whatever. I love pondering life by myself. You could do that at any – you could do that at any time. You can take the metro at any time. When, when, when else can you take the metro and meet, you know, your girlfriend's friend? And I mean, like, at that time, I didn't have a month pass. So that was a $3.25 awkward silence. That's true. And you'll never get that back. I'll never get it back. Yeah, the metro ride was maybe – Four stops, like 10 minutes long, maybe. But it was the longest 10 minutes of my entire life. Because I was terrified. I barely knew any of Yen's friends. We were newly dating, and I really wanted them to like me. So I was scared. I knew two things about Magli. I knew that she was studying education and that she was American. So obviously, I pick the richer of these two topics, and I decide to talk to Magli about the differences between Montreal bagels and American bagels. We talked about bagels? We talked about I even remember bagels. That. And I think that I said that I like American bagels better. And you yeah. agreed. And then we They're agreed about four more times. And that there was not much to say beyond that. It was not a rich topic. But I, the thing is, is I really wanted Eliza to like me, too, because I'd heard so much about her through Yen. You know, Yen was seeing this new person. It was really exciting. They knew each other really well. And so I got into the Metro so excited to meet this new person. And Eliza looked like a trapped 
bird inside of the metro car. And I was so scared. I was like, I am making this poor woman suffer in my presence. She doesn't want to talk to me. We have nothing to talk like about. This is awful. Like a typical reaction that women have to you. So I don't know why that would be surprising. I'm not, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> tongue-tied. <laughs> Tongue-tied is one way to put it. The thing about that was I, I mean, I, I saw Maggie. So I knew that she was weird. So I knew someday we would find something to talk about. I just hadn't found it yet. Luckily, without fail, two years later. Two years. We found it. Two years and 200 awkward metro rides later, we found it when I started complaining to Maggie about my non-existent love life. And when we started talking about this podcast. So the moral of the story is, even if a friendship starts off with awkward silences, has many, many awkward silences in the middle, if you start a podcast with your friend, you will get to know them. Unfortunately, so maybe <laughs> shy away from that. So after I dug into my past of awkward silences with Magali, I thought that I would talk to the woman who made it happen, my ex-girlfriend and current Biffle. Yeah. Biffle and platonic life partner. And platonic life partner. Yeah, so I'd say that's what we are. Platonic life partner. We don't live together. Um, you don't, like, life partner isn't, like, a proximity thing. It's like a, it's a soul thing. Um, um, um. Um, so we met during the first day of orientation, and you've kind of been in my life ever since. So like a barnacle. Yeah, kind of like, like a barnacle. Stuck around. And here we are. And in the here booth. we are. Yeah. We were on the same poetry team. We we're both VPs and new to McGill. And I guess we'd see each other during the team meetings and stuff like that. And I kind of, at the beginning, I kind of thought of you as like, a, oh, like I was cool in high school, you know. Was. Yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, but you know, you know, like, I have an undercut. <laughs> when was I not cool? But like, yeah, but like here you are in the meetings. I don't know. You have your like done up hair and you're like, oh, I'm casual um, jean jacket. Yeah. And then I ran into you at the school cafeteria. And we started talking, we grabbed lunch, and then that's kind of how that started because we'd start eating at the cafeteria more often and we'd have meals together and we'd talk about stuff for like three hours. Yeah, I remember being surprised to be able to talk to you for that long because it's honestly, it's quite hard for me to talk to anyone that I don't know for longer than three minutes or even for three minutes. So that I wanted to talk to you Yeah, more and more and more. And we did. And we did. With some awkward silences here and there. With some awkward silences, yeah. Because something that you would do, you'd like trail off after telling a story and you'd go like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know, something like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. And then I'd kind of blush and look at the ground. Yeah, but you'd also you'd also do it really fast, and you'd be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just trying to think of what to say next, so I was filling all the gaps. Yeah. So what did you think? Well, I thought that you were afraid of silence because I remember asking you, probably not the first time you did it, but, like, after hanging out a couple times. Kind of you. Yeah, I was like... Are you afraid of silence or I something? I think you said I think, that. I think I just said it straight out. And what did I think of that? Um, it just kind of, it seemed like, I don't know, like you were, um, you, you like had to like entertain me somehow. And that by like filling these silences, then that meant that we were like 
having a more complete experience interacting together, if that makes sense. An HD experience. An HD experience. Yeah, I definitely, I feel that, I think less so over time, but especially when I was younger, that if I were in a conversation and there were awkward silences, that it meant the conversation was boring. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified of being boring because shockingly, and contrary to Yen's assessment that I was really cool in high school, (laughs) a lot of times when I was growing up, I didn't have friends. And I would always kind of internalize that and just think, oh, I'm weird, I'm boring. So I thought, if someone's nice enough to talk to me, then it's kind of my, it's my job to entertain them. And if there's awkward silence, that means that I'm doing something wrong. And it's boring. And we are not connecting because I'm boring and bad at connecting with people. So I felt the need to avoid awkward silence because if it was silence, I would never take it as a benign thing. I would never think it was the other person's fault or anything like that. I would be like, I'm being boring and I need to fill this silence. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I explained something like that to you. Maybe. Yeah, no, and I can actually definitely relate to that, to feeling like... You have to, like, entertain the other person. But, like, with other people, like with you, I never saw our awkward silences as absence of conversation or absence of interesting ideas or dialogue. What did you see them as? Um, I don't know. I thought we'd always have really deep, meaningful conversations. When you have, like, a connection that's pretty, like, strong right away, like the one that we had, silence is kind of just a thing within itself rather than, like, an absence of dialogue or Not sound or meaningful. Not an absence. Yeah, silence is a thing. Yeah. Well, what do you think that you should do during that thing? Like, what is the ideal? Because that's the thing. What do you do? Like, stare at the other person? Yeah. Say, I don't know, three times? That sounds like <laughs> a pretty good idea to me. I I don't know. With your, with your I don't know, you kind of... Sounded like a malfunctioning robot. I think I, I've told you this before. They were. In, I don't know. They, I don't know. I don't they know. were endearing. They yeah. They were. I found them endearing because I liked you. So you have poor taste. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I think it's fine to take like silence to like process because we'd have a lot of Lesbians big conversations. Love Lesbians love processing. Yeah, honestly, we yeah. had a lot of big conversations. Um, so the like more silence, awkward silences you have. Moral of the story, bigger conversations. So Maggie and I were just reeling from that conversation about bagels. There was just a lot to mull through after that. Yeah, and that's why uh, this is two years in the making, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> we honestly, I don't think we've had that many awkward silences since then. Silences, yeah. Silences. Not so awkward. No, it's true. And I feel like the more comfortable you get with someone, the same silence and amount of silence, it just, like, awkward silence is just based on how you feel and yeah what makes awkward silences awkward if you don't know the person well enough to be like ah how are they going to interpret this silence like are they going to see this as like me not having anything interesting to contribute or etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't know that's a that's a hard question what do you think what do i think yeah what do you think what makes awkward silences awkward it's not knowing what the awkward silence is to the other person. I yeah. think often you're really worrying about the other person and like what they think this silence is and who started it or what it says about the relationship yeah. between the two people. Yeah, it's like the weight you put on the silence and the interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's that and it's just being scared of not knowing 
what the other person thinks and maybe speculating that they're thinking that you're boring or something like that. I mean, yeah, for me, yeah, it's not that you caused them because you told me all the time it was fine um, and that I didn't need to say, I don't know, but of course it was so crushingly endearing. I had to keep, had to keep <laughs> it up. But no, I, um, yeah, I just was worried about what you would think of me. I don't know. 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 In looking to find out what awkward silences are, where they come from, who you blame, we stumbled upon the story that our friend Jonathan has about a date that he went on that didn't exactly end well. Um, 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 yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, 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 bong, like um, I was just going like, uh. So Jonathan, I heard that you have a story for us about a really awkward silence once that you had on a date. Yeah, I do. Well, I'll go from the start then. It was a Friday. And I had an early class that day. And I also happened to not eat anything pretty much for the whole day. And I went to meet this girl while I was uh, really tired and hungry. Recipe for disaster. Yeah, a bit of a mistake, I guess. (laughs) And it was also like a gray, like gloomy day. Just not the best mood, I guess. Um, (laughs) So we met up and we were just like walking around. And so basically like awkwardness just like piled on like over time. So the first awkward thing that happened, okay, we were walking in um, Eaton Center and I realized for a second that I'd lost my earmuffs. And that- Oh no, those are classic Jonathan. Exactly, (laughs) I need those earmuffs. And that day it was super crowded. And we were basically just walking around Eaton, like trying to find my earmuffs that, (laughs) um, (laughs) that like I I dropped, right? (laughs) Only for me to find out that my earmuffs were on my thigh the whole time. Just Wait, clipped while onto you were my thigh. walking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? I don't know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> but, so I was super embarrassed, obviously. And that's when it first kind of started. And I was just starting to like feel really bad. Because we spent a while like walking around trying to find it, right? And this was your first date with this person? This was our second date. Okay. Second hangout, second date. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So after that, we started heading over to a cafe and basically like we started talking about kind of like some family issues that we'd had, I guess. And but they were pretty kind of personal and like sad (laughs) kind of family things. So it kind of just from there onwards, like it got on a bit of like a negative tangent and like <laughs> our conversations just like when we got to the cafe, we were just kind of like, and keep in mind that I'm also like starving. Yeah, and, like, you have <laughs> Really tired, yeah. So like, so like it seemed like the conversation just kind of got like more and more weird and just like, yeah, like negative, I guess. Yeah. Um, to the point where I sort of just went like, oh yeah, so, um, so your uh, your like dad didn't go to university and your mom studied nursing, right? To which she replied saying, "No, my parents are both doctors." And at this point, I realized that I'd gotten her mixed up with this girl I went on a Tinder date with. Um, um, <laughs> and she, basically, like she was like staring at me, like, "No, my parents what? like were both doctors." <laughs> And I froze. Like, (laughs) 
I just didn't know what to say at all. And like, <laughs> I was just going like, uh, and like, I don't know. I think it was also because of like, all maybe all of like the kind of negativity kind of things I was talking about. Like, I couldn't really pull myself out of the silence. How long did it last? <sighs> I mean, it wasn't complete silence either because I was I was trying to talk. Like I went, like, I literally went like, um, I literally went like, um, so uh, do you, uh, do you do you uh, do you use uh, Tinder? Tinder. And yeah, so, so yeah, that's my awkward. That's probably story. the worst question that you could use to fill an awkward yeah, silence. Do you use Tinder when you're on a date with a person? That's, that's very true. I'll keep that in mind. But happens again. Pro tip. So, did you guys acknowledge this awkward silence after it happened? Well, it took us a while to like finally kind of talk about it again and but you did we did we did yeah. yeah yeah and like now we obviously talk about it like it's like that funny thing yeah. that happened you know and do you guys still have awkward silences well not as awkward as that if yeah. there are any, I'd hope so yeah. during the awkward silence like I could feel my heartbeat just like just thumping like you know so that's so, so intense yeah it was proper intense yeah. did you feel it all because you had sort of caused the awkward silence, the onus was on you to fill it? Yeah, like, it was definitely like a, oh, I've messed up kind of thing. Okay, And, like, yeah. I need to kind of do something about this, but not knowing what to do, so. <laughs> Are you glad that that awkward silence happened? Yes, in a way, actually, because I think, like, when you swoop down that low, <laughs> it can only really, like, get better. Yeah. <laughs> And it did. Things did. And I guess it's good that something I, I, something kind of more bad happened, like, at an early stage. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Because, like, you wouldn't want it to kind of just be, like, oh, like, perfect and, like, roses all the way until some something really bad, you know, hits you. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. That's beautiful. Beyond the ridiculous number of awkward silences I've had in my own life, I was actually inspired to make this episode after a conversation I had at a barber shop. Now, a little background on my experience getting haircuts. I have moderate social anxiety, so being trapped in a chair and forced to talk to a stranger for 30 minutes historically hasn't been my favorite thing to do. Growing up, I spent haircut after haircut flicking my eyes from my shoes to the mirror, from my shoes to the mirror, from my shoes to the mirror, wondering whether it's better to make microscopic level small talk about the weather or just sit in awkward silence. Most of the time, awkward silence went out after both the barber and I decided there's only so much you can say about the amount of rain we've been having this week. Luckily, though, a couple years back, my haircut conversations got a lot easier after I started getting my hair cut on Monday mornings by Andy Bailey, owner of Andy's Barbershop in downtown Montreal. 
Granted, my pre-haircut routine still involves about two cups of coffee, five internal pep talks, and a list of canned, hopefully semi-interesting pre-prepared conversation topics. We talked about bagels. But I don't dread haircuts these days the way that I used to. Andy and I talk about her hairless cat, my endless opinions on dog training, and whatever I'm up to in university at the time. In her chair, I started carving out about as close to a comfort zone as a queen of discomfort like myself could. Until I had to get a haircut on a Tuesday. Uh, uh, uh. See, I had been making hair appointments with Andy on Monday mornings for about a year and a half. But this last semester, I had a professor who assigned essays that were due every Monday at 1 p.m., which meant that I, being the person who I am, was writing essays every Monday until 1 p.m. And this was going just fine until one day I looked in the mirror and saw Ellen DeGeneres circa 1995 rocking a mullet looking back at me. <gasps> I needed a haircut. Badly. And I couldn't go on Monday to get one with Andy. But getting a haircut on a Tuesday with a complete stranger wouldn't be so bad, right? I'm an adult, right? They're a person, I'm a person, right? And so I went, still to Andy's barber shop, just not with Andy this time. I grabbed a number. I fiddled on my phone while I waited. I wondered what the maximum caffeine level someone could possibly maintain in their bloodstream was. And I wondered if I'd exceeded it. Then Gordana called me to her chair. Gordana's chatty, to say the least. After wondering how she could possibly coordinate moving her mouth and her scissors both at turbo speed, I have to admit, her talkativeness kind of rubbed off on me. And we got into a conversation about clients who come to get their hair cut but don't say anything. Gordana tells me that when someone is silent during a haircut, she wonders what it says about her, why they don't want to talk to her. And in my head, I'm just screaming, that's me. I can't talk during haircuts and it doesn't have anything to do with you. A half hour later, I thanked Gordana, walked out with a great haircut and was pleasantly surprised by how easy it had been for me, champion of awkward silences, to talk to her. But I couldn't stop thinking about what she'd said about what different places we each are stuck in when we're stuck in an awkward silence. It also occurred to me that barbers must be the masters at conquering these silences. After all, they have one-on-one -on -one conversations with new people every single day. So last Tuesday, I chugged a couple coffees, grabbed a recorder, and headed down to Andy's barbershop to talk about their experiences with awkward silences. Oh. Oh. Hi, my name is Andy Bailey. I'm the owner of Andy's Barbershop, downtown Montreal. My name is Gordana and I work at Andy's Barbershop and I've been working here for seven years. Okay, so my name is marie I'm working at Andy's Barbershop since five years and a half as a barber. Uh, the majority of us here, we usually have between at least, I would say on a busy day, we would have about 20, 20 guys, 22 guys maybe. Not so busy, I guess it would be at least 12. So we do a lot of yapping. And uh, most of the clients, sometimes, whatever the haircut you give, they will pay more attention of what is happening on the chair. The vibe, your energy, the discussion. Do you ever have awkward silences when you're cutting hair? I know we've talked about that a bit before, but... Yes. <laughs> And why do you think that that is? Like, why, do you, what do you think are some of the reasons that that comes up? I would say either perhaps the person is shy or is feeling awkward and maybe you're looking unapproachable to some degree. Maybe they don't know how to interact with you. 
And then if the person cutting the hair doesn't try to like break the ice a bit and make the person laugh or make it more comfortable or open up a kind of topic, any topic. So uh, do you uh, do you do you, uh, do you, do you uh, use a <laughs> If somebody says something that I'm not comfortable with, I don't answer. So it's great. I think I'm me. I'm more awkward for the clients. <laughs> Sometime because me when I'm silent I, I look serious because you know with my brown eyes and you know I can look very uh, I don't know I think it's maybe reverse <laughs> sometimes I enjoy the silence depending on if uh, they're comfortable with it if we're both kind of just not talking to each other because we don't want to make the effort or we're not really sure how we'll be received then I find um, it could be a bit uncomfortable. Like then in my head, I just make, I guess I focus on cutting their hair more. It's very clear at that point, you know, that we're not talking and then we look at each other and uh, we're still not talking. So I just kind of just look at the hair, focus and cut. I also find like in taxis, when I've taken taxis, that when some of them don't even put on the radio or they do put on the radio and it's just like you could hear each other breathing. And then I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not breathing too loud. And, you know, like, and then I was like looking out the window, pretending to be doing something almost, but really feeling uncomfortable with the fact that they're not talking. I'm not talking. There's no music on. It's a stranger. You know, some characters, honestly, sometimes they just don't click either. You know, so sometimes there's that awkwardness because you just don't click. Like some characters are, are just it's hard to click with. But that, that's what makes this job fun, actually, is because you have to, that's your goal, <laughs> is to try to get this person talking or get something out of it or make sure they're happy and they're getting what they want when they come here. Because they do want a haircut, but not always just a haircut. So you've got to see if it's that person that wants to just sit in your chair and get a nice haircut, or is it the person that also needs a little bit more attention? I had a client that was very silent, and uh, when I asked, I, I don't know, and suddenly uh, there was a song playing, and he started to cry in silence on my chair. At that moment, I was feeling like, oh my God, I was very touched, you know, and I was like, are you okay? And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But he started to cry, but to cry, so I bring him some Kleenex, but everything in silence, he was just crying. I never knew what happened to that guy. I never asked because I was like, I didn't. I felt that it was something for him. Uh, yeah, so I would say it was the most not maybe awkward, but not in a bad way, but like special moment that I had with a client. Every human goes through this awkward social silence, but you don't have to let your body get tense and and get uh, consumed by the awkwardness. You could just kind of say, okay, this is happening, and then like I kind of like in my head go somewhere, like think of something that I thought was funny or something to keep my positivity up. Because like at the same time it's silent, no one's really asking each other any questions. Like, is everything okay? You know, like is it something I said? So like no one's talking about what really, what they're feeling. My last words about that would be like, I think the silence, it's something healthy that need to exist. Whatever is behind it, you know, how, however we, ca we feel, it's something necessary in the communication. Because the words, I don't think the words ca could express everything in life. Um, um, um. So, Magley. 
After talking to all these people, do you feel less awkward about our awkward silence? Yeah, I mean, before we'd started this podcast episode, we'd never really brought it up before, and I'd actually kind of forgotten that it happened. Once we brought it out into the open, it was really nice. Like, we were able to laugh about it, and I felt like it brought us closer together. Um, um, um. A lot of times with awkward silences, people worry that if you're with a person you don't know that well and you have an awkward silence, there's no future and there's Mm. nothing going beyond. But I guess becoming friends with you anyway after having awkward silence, after awkward silence, after awkward silence (laughs) showed me that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone to a certain extent, I mean, has a fear of awkward silences and a fear of others and what they will think of them and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of self-blame wrapped up in awkward silence. And there's a fear of acknowledging the awkward silence Mm. because it's almost like, oh, if you acknowledge an awkward silence, you're acknowledging that someone is doing something wrong. And when you don't acknowledge it, though, a lot of that becomes kind of turned at yourself in a way. So if you think like, oh, there's this weird thing going on and it's my fault, so I can't bring it up. Or if I bring it up, am I blaming the other person? But a lot of times... I think awkward silences can make you closer if you acknowledge them because in that moment you're saying, hey, I'm open enough with you to say this is a weird moment that's going on. It's a little bit awkward, but it's not your fault and it's not my fault. It's just a thing and we're experiencing it together. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Awkward silences aren't always the death of friendships or relationships. They can actually, you know, be the start of one like ours. Gross. <laughs>